0: Hello, I'm continuing to read from Be a Happier Parent with NLP, which is a book I wrote some time ago, actually. It was, um, I'd done all the NLP training with Sue Knight, which, of course, um, as so many NLP uh, training courses um, are, it was focused very much on uh, applying NLP to yourself as an adult Um, rather than um, as a a mum, as a parent, um, or perhaps as a teacher or whatever. And as I was very focused on my family and on children, um, I'd had a career in market research uh, with children on children's products, children's um, licensing uh, and so on. Uh I was really taking what she said, applying it to myself, but then thinking, how can I actually use it in my life as a mum? And, uh, and also to some extent, I have to say, also in my world uh, at that time, which was in qualitative market research. Um, And I did, in fact, do a little bit of training with other qualitative researchers on how to incorporate some NLP uh, techniques into running focus groups. But that seems like quite another life ago, although I did actually write a book about um, market research, which is published by Hodder, Learn Market Research in a Week, which obviously you can't do. A bit like learning NLP, I think, in a week. But um, we do try to uh, pack as much in as possible and uh, hope that our students practice um, uh, both for themselves and with their family. So I'm continuing to read from that book that I wrote as a result of all that, uh, which was me applying everything I learned to my role as a parent and for other parents to share it with other parents. So this um, part is uh, how NLP compares with other therapies, because nowadays we have so much choice don't we um you know we have a problem we have a struggle our child has a struggle you know what do we what do we turn to i think the the doctors tend to send children down the cams route down the cbt route and really you know all help is really gratefully received as a as a parent of a child who's struggling But I want you to just um, learn a little bit maybe now about, you know, some of the other um, modalities we call them and uh, how they sort of fit with NLP, because I've studied all of them. Um, I had to do psychology in all of my uh, business studies um, qualifications, my degree, my postgrad, my master's. Um, And psychology was the the subject that interested me most, which is, of course, why I went into qualitative market research. So let's start with transactional analysis. Uh, And this is something I talk with kids quite a lot about. Um, So let me explain what it is. NLP is quite similar to transactional analysis in that they both place emphasis on how we communicate the transactions we have with one another. They assume we have a choice and can switch to another more resourceful style or mode to get a different and more positive response. How often do we say something and then realise we've not really communicated what we meant? We may have added a sarcastic element or sounded rather childish or maybe been overly authoritative. So here's a brief, brief expectation of transactional analysis. Um there are some references in fact, in uh, the back of my book um if you want to read more about it but transactional analysis was developed by Dor- Dr Eric Byrne, and his books you know the the Games People Play. It used to be very, very popular back in the day, in sort of 60s, 70s, which is about the same time, really, as NLP and so many of the other um, sort of psychologists were were around and uh, writing. So he suggests that we each comprise three parts um, or states of being. And these are called ego states. They're not actually parts of us like being that person but it's actually taking on um, the elements of that state so they're called parent adult and child or pac as we call it for short and when we're talking about these states we tend to use the capital letters um, p a and c to differentiate between the actual parent actual adult and actual child in question so the parent ego state has two parts sometimes critical and sometimes nurturing for example our child has an accident and cries we swoop down and comfort him saying there there let me have a look shall we put a little plaster on that now do you see what i mean about picking up your toys if you had done if you had if you'd done that you wouldn't have fallen over and hurt yourself So here we see first the nurturing parent and then the critical parent. And it's not just real parents who have a parent inside them. Everyone does. It's the part that controls us and reminds us to behave. Even small children have this inner parent. And you you can often see them in adult-type poses, hand on hips or wagging a table at some, some miscreant in the playground. There is nothing wrong with being in parent mode, but being aware of it may help you choose whether that is the most effective mode for the situation in hand. For example, you know, if you're talking with your partner, parent mode probably isn't going to yield the best results. as I have learned to my cost and I think we probably all have at some point or other. Then there is the child part who wants to be loved, have fun, laugh and cry with very little sense of self-discipline. The child in us wants to be nurtured and loved unconditionally. Children, of course, have this part along with their own parent and adult states. And so do we, although sometimes we need to, in NLP terms, enter our child's territory and play with them to remember what it feels like to be a child. When you find it hard to say no, then this is your child who wants to be loved and gain approval. Your adult would say, I'd love to help you, but on this occasion I can't, sorry. When you ask a question or try to find out more information, this is your adult wanting to listen and learn. So when you don't get the response you want from your child, think about which mode you used and reword the request in the adult style, adding a sense of curiosity. For example, I'm wondering why you did that when you knew we were in a rush, rather than using don't, which is the parent mode. So that's how the communication principles of NLP link in with TA. How we process the communication has more in common with Jungian philosophy. So let's talk about Jung. Carl Jung explains that in adult life, in daily life, sorry, we use thinking, feeling and sensing states and have preferred styles of each. That is, some people are more intuitive, others more cerebral, others, some sensitive and so on. You may have heard of the Myers-Briggs type indicator test that some human resources departments use in recruitment, management training and employee reviews. Some of the types are based on these Jungian theories. The thinker is good at analysing and interpreting data or communication, but they are less adept at putting themselves in another person's shoes and being aware of the feelings of the situation. This is similar to the mind the gap idea of NLP, where we learn to not react too quickly and emotionally to an input, but to disassociate ourselves, step away and think more rationally about whether it is reasonable. And drawing on the TA section earlier, this is rather like letting the adult take over from the child. The feeler is good at associating with the experience, feeling what the other person is saying and feeling the same emotions. Feelers are very good at empathising and as a result make very good friends and colleagues. The intuitor has the ability to take on board details while at the same time seeing the bigger picture. Intuitors are good at summing up what others are saying and getting to the nub of the conversation, what it all means. So, now let's go on to CBT, which you'll be, I'm sure, familiar with. So, cognitive behaviour therapy, CBT, is, I would say, most similar to NLP. They both acknowledge that how we behave is affected by how we think and what we believe about ourselves and others around us, that we need to change our way of thinking first and then we can change our behaviour. Both CBT and NLP are based on the belief that emotional upset is the result of how we think and what we do. So if we change the way we think and our subsequent behaviour, this will resolve the distress. As with NLP... CBT encourages us to confront our limiting beliefs. Those are the things we can't think we cannot do. Perceptions and negative behaviour patterns and to notice how they affect our ability to achieve our desired outcome. Quite specific to CBT is the idea of keeping a diary to record how we have tested out new ways of thinking and responding. This isn't part of NLP, but many NLP practitioners will recommend this as a way to facilitate change. If you are constantly recording, then you are becoming more aware of how your behaviour and communication is affecting your relationships. Along with NLP, CBT is based on the idea that people act and feel based on their map of the world. The map is not the territory. And they aim to identify and change distorted or unhelpful ways of thinking by reframing thoughts in a more helpful and positive way so let's look now at the latest developments in NLP because um, if you studied NLP maybe some time ago you may not be familiar with them so I would say that there, there, there have been some new developments and particularly in the area of what we call clean language which has been used with children very successfully So essentially, it is the art of asking questions that are totally respectful of the child's map of the world, simply feeding their own words back to them without judgment. Clean language uses dreams and metaphor to explore feelings and allows the child to make their own interpretation of what they're feeling. This work has been pioneered by David Grove and then modelled by Penny Tompkins and James Lawley sue knight in her nlp at work books talks about um, using humor and refers to frank farrelly's work on provocative therapy i'd say if if you're curious about provocative therapy do train with sue she is an absolute exemplar of this which is about finding the playfulness the humor in communication and using that to feed back to your client to your to the to whoever you're talking to in in a way with love so it's not sarcastic it's not um, it's it comes from a warm place it comes from a place of love where you're being playful and just prompting them a little bit to think maybe differently about what they've just said So Sue talks that she reminds us that being able to laugh together is key to a harmonious relationship and is testament to the ultimate rapport possible between two people. Just laugh and see how your muscles relax and you'll feel much less tense. So schools are using NLP, which is fantastic. Um, and they're now talking much more than they used to about how children learn. They're using VAK, visual, auditory and kinesthetic, in order to help children understand whether they learn by what they read, what they see, by diagrams, pictures and so on, or more by what the teacher says um, or through sort of audio Um, or kinesthetic by actually doing it. Obviously, any of my books and all of my books, and particularly Be a Happier Parent with NLP, um, covers this in a lot of detail about how you as a parent can support your child's learning journey through using NLP. Um, And I would say that Olive Hickmott, um, who you'll find, I I think her website is called Empowering Learning, She is an absolute expert on applying NLP in the learning um, arena um, and understanding VAK and indeed the meta programs is is really important in this. So NLP is developing all the time, um, but it's in the area of working with children where we're really exploring and pushing boundaries to really help children have access to different tools To help them understand how they process their world, how they learn, how they apply their learning and how to manage um, their beliefs. And that beliefs are not facts and beliefs can limit us or they can actually resource us. So we have limiting beliefs, resourceful beliefs. And in NLP, we understand um, which which belief is, is which. Uh, how beliefs change and how a child can change their belief from a limiting belief to replace it with a more resourceful belief. So I hope you found that interesting. It's a little bit of a sort of romp through um, sort of some of the other um, modalities. Um, I haven't included anything there about Reiki, um, because since writing that book, I trained as a Reiki master and a Reiki master trainer. And I I use Reiki and essential oils um, alongside Reiki um, in order to help children balance their chakras, understand when they're out of balance, um, and also to provide Reiki for helping with sleep, helping to feel calm, um, and uh, I use it alongside nLP and eFt tapping, so I find that having a quite a number of different modalities um this sort of i use ta i sometimes use cbt sometimes nlp reiki eFt matrix reimprinting and so on um in order to and crystals uh, because having a, that sort of whole range if you like of um ways of connecting with my clients um, gives me lots of choice. And um, one of the NLP beliefs of excellence, um, which I'm going to come on to in the next uh, podcast episode, is that the person with the most flexibility controls the system. You know, if you've only got one response to a certain behaviour of your child, um, you are limiting yourself. You can actually master the situation by having a number of different options. And that's pretty much what I do um, and what I train in my training courses. So I hope you found that helpful.